And welcome into Poke the Bear episode 43, the Danton Heinen episode. I am Evan Marinovsky, alongside Connor Ryan of Boston Sports Journal. Connor, how are we doing? Evan, very excited. Ready for the playoffs to get going. Oh, as am I. It is uh, fast approaching. We guessed on Bruins Beat that it would be Saturday night, and we were correct. Uh, that It is Saturday at 7, uh, Bruins Capitals. Uh, opening their very exciting series that we will preview fully in this episode. Every part of it we will touch upon. Um, and so, but before we do, there's a couple of little Bruins news things that, uh, that have taken place over the past day or so that deserve some, uh, some mention. Jeremy Swayman, the backup for the playoffs, which is kind of what we expected given off how good Swayman was, um, in the, uh, just in the regular season. I mean, he just jumped onto the scene. Uh, and I, and Cam Neely even mentioned it in his press conference Wednesday that, you know, they're in a different place goaltending wise, uh, with the plan than they were even just two months ago. Yeah, no, uh, you know, it, it's interesting when Bruce Cassidy announced after, uh, Tuesday's game against the Capitals that Swayman had indeed kind of short up that backup spot. You saw on Twitter, a lot of people were like, Oh, this is crazy. This is awesome. It's like, is it really surprising? Like, I mean, like it's it's great to see the you know a guy like him who a few months ago you thought he was going to be down in the AHL for a couple of years sees that spot. But I mean, just look at his body of work. Look at what he's done in this past month. I mean, seven seven three and zero, nine four five save percentage leads all goalies in the entire NHL and high danger save percentage. I mean, every single seems like every single breakaway or, or rebound down low, he's, you know, squared away. He's tracking the puck well. Um, so, yeah, it's not really that much of a surprise. It's obviously a, a, a tough break for Yaroslav Halak, who it wasn't like people were like, all right, see you later, Halak. It's like, not, you know, it wasn't like he was he was bad this year. Like, what, was he was he the best? No, but, like, it wasn't like he was a detriment to the team when he was in there. Uh, but you just look at the way Strayman's been playing. Uh you can't you can't argue against it, right? I mean, he gives you the the best chance as the backup guy. Again, we I think we've talked on this multiple times. Ideally, you don't have to even worry about putting Swimman in there, right? That something is <laughs> gonna have to go wrong, I think, to to put Swimman in there. But it's definitely a testament to to him as a rookie, a guy who you know prior to getting called up to Boston only played nine games down in Providence. You know, it wasn't like he's like this. Season to season to AHL are ready to ready to roll. I mean, he kind of got thrown into the fire, and has been fantastic all year long, whether it be down in the AHL or in the NHL. So, uh, well deserved for him. And uh, yeah, as as you said, from what Neely uh, talked about during Wednesday's press conference, like the overall game plan has to change in terms of how you view going forward. Not saying that they're gonna kick Rask to the curb, but it's very well could be a situation where Swimman's locked in as that backup as the new heir apparent by next year. I think there was a chance that Halak was going to be uh, the backup next year, you know, before he got, actually got COVID. Like that was really what started the whole getting Swayman in there was Halak of COVID. Like that, that was the issue. Um, and he had issues with it after. So that really was kind of how Swayman got his shot and he made the most of it and he deserves to be the backup. Like I, I don't think many people, as you said, like this was not a surprise um, by any means. Another non-surprise, Nick Ritchie wins the seventh player award, the highly contested, highly debated Nesson seven, the player award this year goes to Nicholas Ritchie, uh, which it really was also not a surprise. I mean, that's what we expected, you know, provided great offense, especially at the beginning of the year when he was like leading the Bruins and goals for the first couple of, uh, first couple of, was it weeks or games? It was first uh, month. At least, at least a couple of weeks. I mean, that, that power play in that first month was like 
I have to feel like, you know, two thirds of all their goals were just like either, you know, tips or rebounds uh, from Richie down at the net front. But yeah, no, as, as you said, not much of a surprise, you know, there are people talking about Craig Smith, who I don't think was even on the ballot. I think maybe they've, they've learned from years past of like, we're going to have it be limited to, you know, bottom six or, uh, you know, deep pairing off the top pair. So, um, yeah, I guess the expectation was Craig Smith was going to be this kind of player. I think he still exceeded expectations, but uh, you look at just where Nick Ritchie was going into the season. I feel like there was quite a few people who were probably like, if Nick Ritchie gets bought out or he doesn't make the team or he's, you know, a bench guy, that's about right. You know, people were like, oh, you know, the considering kind of how rough his uh, stretch was in the Toronto playoffs or up in the Toronto bubble, um, didn't really know what to expect from him, right? Was he going to be this guy who's not going to drive offense, who's going to be taking unnecessary penalties? And so far, he's fit the bill of what what you're looking for, uh, especially now, I think, in this third third line role that, he, that he's in. Uh, it's definitely a, a different look from that third line in years past, where it seems like that this is going to be the de facto heavier line. But so far, it's worked out. I mean, I was a skeptic of how him, Corrali, and Koya were going to look, and they're outscoring teams 4-1 to one during the limited time together. So, uh, so far, that has been probably one of the most surprising developments, I think, down the stretch here. I think, obviously, people talk about Hall and that second line. Yes, of course, it's great. But you could kind of see the writing on the wall there. You couldn't really see the writing on the wall with this third line, the way they're playing, and especially Richie down the stretch, which I think is very encouraging for the Bruins because if, if him and Corrali and those guys are carrying some momentum going to the playoffs, it's going to make an already – Pretty deep forward group, that much better. And he got to wear the A in the regular season finale. And he got to wear the we'll, A, yeah. We will never forget. Uh, we'll never forget where you were when that happened. I also think when you know the two guys we talked about, Swimming and Richie, probably the two most pleasant surprises of the season. Obviously, Hall in the second line was pretty big, but it's Taylor Hall. Like I know there's some skeptics, like you know, with the Ken Campbells of the world and just people in general, but it, like it, it's still freaking Taylor Hall. I do think Nick Richie, you know, doing what he did this year after everything that happened last year and Jeremy Swayman coming in and just dominating after, as you said, nine AHL games. And he was in Maine last year. Like that, those are very pleasant surprises. I think if you had pulled the Bruins at the beginning of the season, I don't think they would have expected either of those things to happen. Um, and so again, I mean, pleasant surprises for them. Uh, definitely not safe bets at the beginning of the season, safe bets now, but if we're talking safe bets, it's obviously betonline.ag. Absolutely. Listen up, guys. It's an exciting time of the year around the sports world. Red Sox are playing. Celtics are existing. They and, exist. And at long last, playoff hockey is back in Boston. And even if you haven't made it back to Fenway or the Garden just yet, you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. No matter how the schedules change or the players that play, Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you get in on every game this season with the fastest updated odds in the industry. There are always more options to wager than anywhere online, and we even have an exclusive promo code for our loyal listeners. So go to Bet Online and enter promo code CLNS50, that's CLNS50, for a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. You heard me, a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Evan, no one beats that. Nobody beats that. Nobody beats that. So what are you guys waiting for? Head to Bet Online today and take advantage of all the great bonuses, offers, and contests available right now. Again, enter promo code CLNS50, that's CLNS50, for a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. 
go there now. Uh, so as uh, now the big topic this time of year, it's funny actually, um, because if the playoffs weren't happening right now, let's say the playoffs were like, let's say it got announced two to three weeks from now. So like Bruins Capitals in a hypothetical world is happening like, you know, three weeks from Saturday. You know, they're going to wait till everything's done. Everything's settled. Guys are vaccinated, whatever, which would be really weird. But let's say that happened. Do you know what today's topic would be? I bet, I bet you can guess. And we've done this topic a thousand times would be Jack Eichel to the Bruins. That would be what today's topic would be. Jack Eichel to the Boston Bruins. So uh, glad that we don't have to discuss that today because we have, Batter that it's it's funny because it's the same conversation every time. It's always just like, oh, you, you know, wanna, it's too. It's too up, do you want to give up Pasternak McAvoy? No, okay, <laughs> okay, that's it. That's done. You're, you're over. Like that's literally the crux of every single trade rumor with him. Like uh, Fluto put out, you know, you need to give up McAvoy or Pasternak. Okay, then you wouldn't do it. Um, and then people kind of, I love, we've done this bit a thousand times. The trade uh, propositions of you know, Vakanainen, Stadnika. A first and David Krejci for Jack, yeah. Jack Eichel. It's like, oh, yeah. oh, okay, okay, yeah, let's do that. Um, so I always, I, I, I miss not having to do it, but I'm also very glad that we have like real things to talk about. We we, we laugh, heaven though, but we're gonna be talking about this in like July. So no, you know that's it's it's gonna happen. Yeah. it's gonna become we're, more yeah, legit. We're, we're laughing, but you know it's yeah, exactly. We're gonna have like. Someone's gonna have like a like a Snapchat of Eichel like on, on a, a boat in like Martha's Vineyard talking about how much he loves the Bruins on Fourth of July weekend. It's gonna start up all over again. So, we, yeah, we're just you know this is like a preview. We're we're throwing a little teaser trailer out there before we do the real deep dive later this summer. And we have nothing to talk about. Or he'll be like visiting BU, just simply visiting like yeah, his alma yeah. mater, and someone will be like, "Oh, he's in Boston." There North he is. North It's going to be like the Larry Fitzgerald Logan Airport. It's yes. like Jack Eagle's spotted in Boston. Like, yeah, well, he lives here during the off season. I don't know if you know this, <laughs> but he's from North Chelmsford, so it's not really much of a surprise, really. guys. He's he's coming back. He'll be walking past the garden to go to like um, to go to uh, Guy Fieri Avern in the Square, man. Or there. <laughs> <laughs> noted noted fan of Guy Fieri, Jack Eichel, is going to be at Guy Fieri's Tequila Cocina. So. Yes, or he'll be going to forget as I said, Tavern in the Square, and he'll be near the garden, and they'll be like, oh, 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 he's walking in the garden. He'd he walk past it. Or they'll pull he's up gonna, a picture like from his college he's, days. He, they're going to announce it. He's going to sign. He's going to announce it. He's, he's going to demand a trade. And he's going to be the fan being a captain. For the playoffs, yeah. it's gonna be Jack in in a in a Sabres jersey though, doing it just to like twist the knife more because I think Sabres fans have had a hell of a week, a, a month, a year. a year. Yeah, no, it's been it's been it's been a rough rough a rough seven here. years. As, yeah, as yeah. Lucic said, it ended when he absolutely crushed Ryan Miller. Once that happened, yes. everything just spiraled downwards. So, uh, yeah, no, that's gonna be interesting to see how that plays out though this summer because I, as you said, guaranteed we're talking about that in July, no doubt, no doubt. Um, but there are more important things on the menu uh, this week. Bruins Capitals, as we said, begins Saturday night. Uh, this is a series that we expected to probably end up happening. You knew that, well, you, first of all, you knew it was one of three teams, and then it went down to two, and then it was like, well, we know it's going to be the Capitals. So um, I'm interested in this series. I'm interested for a lot of reasons. Uh, obviously, there's the stuff that is, uh, oh yeah, that's pretty general. Uh, there's all, the, obviously the obvious Tom Wilson stuff, which we could, I imagine we'll get to. But I think the most interesting storyline of this series is the Chara one is the fact that Zdeno Chara, the defenseman that you pretty much said, we don't really have a spot for you. We're going to probably, you won't play every night. You'll be a third pairing guy, but we're not going to play it. 
consistently, not going to have consistent minutes. Pretty much like if you find somewhere better, go. And that team was the Capitals, and you're playing them in the first round now. And he's part of their six. He'll be playing. He'll play every game. And I'm so interested to see how this plays out because as Jeff Israel uh, tweeted, either way, there's going to be a handshake at the end of it. And it's going to be like sad no matter what. Chara handshaking with Bergeron and Marshan and, and Krejci. So no matter what, they'll the, the handshake line will happen unless they don't because of COVID, but I would imagine they would. Because remember, yeah. we got deprived of the handshake line last year. Yes. Which was sad, which was very – no, wait, was there a handshake line last year? Maybe it was halfway through the playoffs, I want to say. Because no, remember, they, that was think, when Emmerich – that was when – wasn't that when Doc gave, like, yeah, the no, eulogy there was. for Chara? Yeah, no, there had to have been, yeah. There must have been. There definitely was. Again, people are slamming their, their uh, steering wheels going, what's there was? in shambles right now. <laughs> <laughs> yes, he is. He is. He is banging his steering wheel right now. Uh, but no. So I, I'm very interested to see how that plays out. I don't think Charles is going to be a focal point of the series and in, in like, you know, matchup wise. But I think that's going to be an underlying story that we consistently watch. And I'm interested to hear what you take, what your take is on that. Yeah, it's kind of ironic, right? That the, you know, the Bruins didn't think he was going to be in their plans or Chara interpreted that he wasn't going to play because if he stayed here, given the amount of injuries they had, he would have probably played every single game if he was healthy. Oh, yeah. But, but the, the irony there. But yeah, no, it's going to be fascinating just to see uh, them go up against him. Uh, obviously, as Marchand kind of said, he knows their tendencies, but also they know his. Um, I would not be surprised if, you know, if Chara is given those those tough matchups that they target him in terms of just, you know, a quicker guy like Marchand or Bostonok or Hall. Um, I think that's one of the ways you can exploit the the Capitals, you know, before I'm to go like matchup by matchup. Like the two areas the Bruins soundly beat the Capitals in, in the series is defense and goaltending. Uh Caps got some big bodies back there, but they don't have a whole lot of speed. So uh I would not be surprised if, you know, whether it's just like Dumping the puck in, having Char try to corral the puck or, or beating him to the loose puck. Uh, that's going to be something I think they're definitely going to target. I mean, they know everything about the player and he knows everything about them. So that itself, just in terms of appeal matchup, is going to be fascinating to see what happens. But I would not be surprised based on just the overall way those teams line up that they make a concerted effort at whether it's just dumping the puck in or, or trying to get him to play the puck that they're going to kind of target him. And it's not just him. I mean, you look at, uh, like Brendan Dillon, another big guy who's not very fast. Uh, you know, they, they, they've got different areas of that lineup, especially on their decoy that you can target over a, a seven game series. So it's not like Char is going to be just like a placeholder or a complimentary player. He's not going to be like playing 10 minutes a night and you just kind of have the, the cutaway during the broadcast of like, Oh, and, you know, the history with these two guys. And it's like, you know, Bergeron and Char. It's not going to be like that. Yeah, they're going to be matched up one-on-one for most of this series. So, yeah, it's going to be fascinating to see what happens. And, uh, yeah, it's going to be a lot of, I think, Chara getting plenty of looks against the Bruins' top six, which is going to be a, a tough task for anyone, obviously, right? Yeah, also T.J. Oshie and John Carlson are out for game one um, on Saturday night. So, Carlson, another guy you're losing from that decoy. I know, obviously, you know, not the greatest defensively, but still their top defenseman, like, that's their guy. Um, and he will be out uh, for Saturday's game. I, I also think an interesting part is how they shut down the Bergeron line. How do you, how, how does Washington try to handle that? Do they throw the, the fourth line of, um, uh, the Dowd line? That's, um, mm-hmm. I'm going to get some Dowd, Hagelin. Hagelin and Hathaway. I'm interested to see if they do that, if they go with Lars Eller. Um, cause again, first two games, they have last change. 
So they don't necessarily have, you can try to get that mismatch with, with Backstrom, Mantha and Ovechkin uh, in there. What, how it's funny though, cause I don't think this is a series where the Bergeron line does get shut down. I think when you really look at it uh, with the, with the slow, big, slow defense with Vitek Vanacek, which we'll get to in a bit in net, who's been really not amazing against the Bruins this year. Not very, good. he's not good. Not good. He's not, no, he's not no, good he's goal. not. He's not that great. He's not a starter. Um, and, and I, I just think this isn't a series. I think it's a series where they score a lot of points, actually. I think, again, high scoring series, I think, on the Bruins end of things. It's going to really, I think this series really hinges on, um, the Bruins' ability to keep the puck out of their own net. Cause I mean, I don't know how you don't score three to four goals a game in this series. Yeah, no, I, I I agree with you. I think it's definitely a series. You look at just the, you know, I'm, I'm sure as this podcast goes on, we're going to go into our predictions, what have you. But the more you kind of look at this matchup, sure, it's it's dominated by how physical the Caps are. You got to watch out for Tom Wilson. All valid concerns, right? These are things that can change the course of a series if a guy gets knocked out. But, you know, you look at, one, the underlying numbers, which, People sometimes don't want to point at because you look at underlying numbers, the Bruins should have smoked the the Blues going into that series, right? So there's only so much you can go draw from that. You just look at the pure matchups wise. Uh, the, a lot of them really don't favor the, the the Capitals in this series. Like you look at Bergeron, uh, most likely he's going to be matched up against uh, the Ovech, Ovechkin's line. So Ovechkin, Kuznetsov, um, and Wilson, and through Has Mantha games. been playing up there? Hasn't Mantha been playing up there a bit? I think I think it's been Mantha, Backstrom, and Oshi. I want to say is the okay. usual. Um, obviously, that will change now with with uh, a few of those guys out of the lineup with Oshi. But um, you look at Bergeron's primarily matched up against Ovechkin, and through seven games, they've outscored the Ovechkin line six nothing. Pretty good. <laughs> so not, so not only are they they generating chances, they're also shutting down a line. But let's say it's a situation where uh, at the very least, the Bergeron line is shutting down the Ovechkin line. And maybe, let's just say for the sake of it, over a series only scores one or two even strength goals. You probably want a lot more, but hey, the good thing about this team, you also have uh, a 1B line that is also capable of scoring goals in bunches, right? I mean, we'll see kind of how the Capitals handle that matchup of whether it's, you know, you're kind of damned if you damned if you don't, right? Like, who do you want to put like that, that Dowd line against uh, and see how they match up? But you you look at if the Bergeron's able to at least stop Ovechkin, you've got Krejci, Hall, and Smith who have outscored teams 13-1 to 1 together this year, which is nuts. That, that's crazy uh, over such a small sample size, especially. And then, I mean, one of, I think, the key things is going to be that that third line of, of Coyle, uh, Richie, and Corrali. Like, that's a team that's one, that's a line that's one equipped to, handle the Capitals, another big physical team. Uh, you don't really know what their matchup's going to be. Is it going to be Elias Eller in the third line? Is it going to be a, a fourth line? Uh, so you kind of just look at ov- ov- the overall matchups. And, yeah, the as you said, the Bruins have generated tons and tons of chances against the Capitals. It's not just the fact that their goaltending is not great. I mean, whether it's Vanacek or if Samsonov comes back, it doesn't really give you a whole lot of optimism. Um the, their defense, you know, you're, if you're moving fast, if you're, if you're winning puck battles, if you're the first one on the puck, you're going to have a lot of time in, in the offensive zone and a lot of great ice is going to be available to you. So, I mean, out of all the teams the Bruins have played this year, only the Sabres have been the team that they've scored more goals against. Bruins are averaging three, three and a half goals a game against the Capitals this year. And mind you, this is also with only one of those games being once 
Taylor Hall and Mike Riley and Curtis Lazar arrived. You know, this is before this is back when the Bruins were still pretty much a one line top heavy team. So you kind of just look at the overall matchups and where these guys slot in. Like, yeah, I think it's all going to come down to, you know, how this series can go wrong for the Bruins is if guys get knocked around and hurt, uh, you know, if they spend way too much time in the box and if it, they're just pure outscored on, it's going to come down to the goaltending situation, which I don't know about you. I would take Tuka Rask and Jeremy Swayman as opposed to Vanacek and Samsonov. They also might have Craig Anderson. That could be a guy that yes. they might have to bring in. That's the Craig yes, Anderson. I mean, Said this against the Bruins in the past, so there is that. Um, it's so funny. I look up. Uh, I looked up the Capitals line combinations because I'm unfortunately not super well versed in them from the even from the season. They changed so much. So I was looking at them and I was like, I wonder how updated this is because that website like Daily Faceoff. So I went to look at the Bruins line combinations, and they're from last night or they're from uh, Tuesday night. So the first line of you know, if you're a Capitals fan right now, and you want to see what the Bruins look like. You see a first line of Jake DeBrus, Curtis Lazar, Chris Wagner. Think, wait a second, what? What happened to Bergeron and Pasternak and Marshand? Um, so I just find that hilarious that the that the website hasn't uh, been updated yet. You're right though on the matchups. Like again, I think it comes down to if the Capitals are to beat the Bruins, they're gonna have to take the Blues approach that they had in 2019, which was beat the hell out of them. Like that, like just beat the hell out of them. Um, I also think you know again the the Blues got fortunate with Bennington playing extremely well in uh, in Game Seven. You had some other games that he was solid in, and then the games he wasn't solid in, he was absolutely garbage. Uh, mm-hmm. So there was that. But they, the Blues also had a stronger decor. Um, they, I think they were a little bit deeper up front, if I remember correctly. I mean, they didn't have anyone with the, the, the power of Ovechkin, but they were a little deeper. Um, but again, I think that's the way you got if, if you're the Capitals, that's how you beat the Bruins. So let's get to predictions. Let's get to predictions because before we started this, uh, I remember in the weeks leading up to this, because I, I am going to give a prediction that I think many people might be surprised at. Um, in the weeks leading up to this on both podcasts, I have said how I would have rather played the Penguins. And it was really the only reason was because the Capitals were super physical and you're going to have guys who are hurt. And I worry about how the Bruins move on to round two with guys who are super banged up. But again, the playoff hockey is physical no matter what. But when you really look at things, Actually, I'll let you give your prediction first. I'll let you give your prediction first. Yeah, I'm going to go bullet. I'm going to say Bruins going to win five. Okay. <laughs> I, I think uh, you just look at the matchups, the fact that one, um, it seems like both teams are turning in different directions in terms of the injury injury bug. I mean, uh, losing a guy like Collison, who's one of the more mobile guys you have on defense. Oshie, who's been great, especially on the power play. He's He's been dynamite for them in the bumper, especially when playing against the Bruins. Um, so you lose those two guys. You also have a whole bunch of guys that are going to be banged up, right? Like I wouldn't be surprised if, especially in the first couple of games, the Bruins make an emphasis on, you know, finishing their checks against, you know, Ovechkin, Wilson. Yeah. Cause uh, Ovechkin's day to day. Yeah. Uh, Backstrom had, was just coming off a lower body injury. Kuznetsov's coming off of COVID protocol. So I don't really know how he's going to look. Um, yeah. You look at these first couple of games, you got a pretty good opportunity to build up, build a pretty solid lead and, make your, you know, your presence felt uh, physically. So you look at just the way they're training differently, uh, you know, injury wise. And again, like I can't see the Bruins unless again, the Capitals knock out four or five guys. I can't see them winning every single game, five, four, six, six, four. You know, I can't see that situation, especially considering that you just look at the matchups. I don't know how, what the caps do to negate, the Bergeron line playing like this, the, the Krejci line playing like this, the fact that you might have something in that third line, like, uh, 
you know, as, as dangerous as the, the Caps power play is, and you have to make an emphasis on not taking stupid penalties of not spending, having a parade of, of guys going to the box. You can't, um, you know, it's not like the Bruins PK is like a, a vulnerable thing. They haven't done well against the Caps this year. Like, of course, but they also have the second ranked PK in the league. Like they're not like, it's like this Achilles heel or, or fatal flaw with this team. And you, you kind of look at, what has been kind of the root cause of quite a few of the Bruins last couple playoff exits. A lot of it's come down to, you know, getting knocked around by the blues or just not being able to get inside and generate chances. And you look at the way the Bruins are playing. Now you've got legitimate secondary scoring with that Krejci line. Third line again has defied my expectations. I'm sure a lot of other people in terms of how well they've played. Um, And again, it's not like the, people are worried that the, the caps are going to just run them over. It's not like the Bruins are the ranges, right? Where like you can have a bunch of little guys like trying to get involved with, with Tom Wilson. Like they've got big guys, you know, it might involve Cassidy for a few games to be tinkering with the lineup. You know, maybe you go with Frederick for a game, even though he hasn't been that effective lately or, or Wagner or Tenorti is a, a third pairing guy. You bring him in for a game. If you get knocked around quite a bit, you've got guys there along with guys that are regularly in the lineup, right? Like Richie, Kevin Miller, Lozon can hold his own. So you're kind of equipped to handle kind of the, the worst that the Capitals can throw at you and the Capitals aren't equipped to handle the best of what you can throw at them. So uh, five is probably a little bit bold. Wouldn't be surprised if it goes to six, but I just look, you look at the matchups wise and the way that these teams are trending. You have to imagine the Bruins are going to land quite a few punches against the Capitals. Yeah. So I actually you went bolder than I did. I was going to do five for the Bruins but I landed on six. I think it's going to be Bruins in six. I hate when people say uh, when it's going to be in seven because I think that's kind of like a a way to kind of be on the fence yeah. about stuff. Yeah. So I always hate like people when do people uh, do like a prediction in seven. I say Bruins in six solely because I don't know if – I don't see a series where the Capitals only win once. I see them winning twice. Um, but, I, again, every, for everything you just said, like – the matchups wise, and when you really look at the you know the goaltending, like you can't tell me Vitek Vanacek is going to stand on his head for four wins. I just don't I don't see that happening. Um, nothing makes me want to say that's going to happen uh, to me. And again, the D are slow, and you know you're and the Bruins are hot. Like that's that's another thing. Like, screw the Capitals. The Bruins are on a freaking heater, and they've been that way since the deadline. And so I think when you really like when you look at it, uh, this team has a very has a feel about it. They have a little feel about them and I'm not going to get ahead of myself. Cause you know, you know, but I remember last year, even like when they, when they won the president's trophy, I remember thinking, well, this team isn't that amazing. I don't, you know, like they were just good in the regular season and, but on paper, the matchups, I mean, it, the lot, you know, the lines aren't complete. The second line isn't complete. You know, again, the, the, you know, they let too many guys to the middle in their own zone. They couldn't get to the middle in the other team's zone. This team's totally different. So, yeah, I, I think Bruins in six. I think Bruins should win this series. I don't know how they don't. I, I mean, again, unless, as you said, they get banged up to the point where they, they have a lineup they rolled out like la, uh, like Tuesday night. Um, and even that was a two-to-one game. So <laughs> you do have that. Capitals decided to play all their starters uh, in the regular season finale when there was really no reason to do that. But that's okay. Uh, but that is the playoff. That's the first-round preview. Uh, so you can have all your coverage over at CLNS Media. At Boston Sports Journal, Connor, before we go, uh, what can the listeners look forward to at BSJ? Yeah, we have a, a new site rolling out now, which we're excited to uh, 
to unveil, and we'll be having uh, plenty of content going up in the days leading up to uh, Game 1 on Saturday. So we'll obviously have a big kind of uh, preview dropping on Friday, going through matchups. And, uh, again, I think we maybe kind of spoiled our overall predictions, but that will be included in there as well. But uh, we're going to a couple of other, uh, you know, playoff matchups and looking around the league as well. So you can find all that stuff over at BSJ on the new site. So subscribe over at bostonsportsjournal.com. If you want to follow me on Twitter, you can do that at Connor Ryan underscore 93. If BSJ was a stock, it's good to invest in now because it's only trending up. It's only trending up. It's a stock, stocks, baby. Stock talk. Stonks. Anyways, baby. anyways, that is Poke the Bear episode 43. I'm Evan Marinovsky. That's Connor Ryan. You Poke the Bear listeners have an amazing rest of your day. <laughs>